Welcome back to another episode of The Wet Snood. Today, I have Christian Williams from Archery Strong. So how are you doing, Christian? Doing good. Excited to finally get on a, a phone call with you. We've been wanting to chat for a little bit here, so it'll be nice to have a conversation. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a little while. I have some technical difficulties here the last week or so, so it's nice to get a hold of each other and get to talking. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to diving in some some bow hunting, some traditional archery, be good. Absolutely. So, uh, you just want to introduce yourself a little bit and vividly or talk a little bit about uh, archery strong for people that don't know you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you said, Gage, my name is Christian Williams. I'm the owner, founder of Archery Strong. It's a business that I started to help archers with shoulder injuries. Uh, my background is in sports injury and sports performance. I've uh, worked a variety of different jobs and uh, places working with all kinds of uh, general population athletes uh, and the occasional archer. And about three years ago, I had the idea to start specializing in the archery realm uh, with the thought that, you know, so many of us love archery, love bow hunting, and one of the main things that can prevent us from enjoying it, uh, especially the older population, uh, are shoulder injuries and shoulder issues. So uh, that's what I work in. And, and uh, those are the people that I work with, with the ultimate goal of making sure that people can get out in the woods and fill tags and enjoy archery season and uh, not have to either worry about shoulder problems or if they do have one, uh, getting them back to a place where they're shooting a bow and shooting a bow well without paint. So it's uh, definitely a rewarding uh, journey in that aspect. Um, and as far as on the hunting side, I about, well, this is my second season. So about a year and a half ago, I moved up to what I'd consider kind of your neck of the woods gauge, uh, mm -hmm. like central Pennsylvania. And Really, in the same time frame, I picked up uh, traditional archery. I hunted with a compound for a long time uh, and enjoyed that and, you know, had some successes there and uh, a lot of lessons learned and uh, came into, into traditional archery, which, of course, is a challenge in and of its own. And while getting introduced into traditional archery, also learning how to hunt new areas, new types of areas, a lot of big woods uh, around here in central Pennsylvania. So it's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of, I'll say failures or, or challenging hunts and a few successes along the way. So uh, we'll get to dive into some of that tonight, I think, and talk through some of those, those hunts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I met Christian last year in an archery, indoor archery league in the winter, about a year ago through, uh, through Kyle. And uh, we met and we started shooting. And instantly when I saw sh Christian shooting, I knew he was lights out. I mean, there was 10, 15 guys there and Christian definitely shot the best. And uh, we got to talking. He said he had the archery strong thing. And then we are both uh, friends with a mutual friend and pretty much ended up shooting all summer together and got to know each other real well. And here we are now. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun you know, of course, meeting you and other guys that enjoy traditional archery up around here. And I'm trying to pull your leg a little bit to get you on a, a late season hunt around here. So I'm looking forward to hopefully doing that. 
yeah, we're planning on getting together and doing a late season hunt here. I still have both my tags and you have a couple of doe tags left, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Couple. Yeah. So we'll be out there flicking some arrows, trying to stick something. Yep. But, I'm uh, looking forward to late season. It's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite times of year. It's of course challenging, uh, but, but it'll be, be fun, a fun, fun chase, you know, after rifle season, hopefully get some snow on the ground and get after it. Yeah. The main thing is getting cold weather for those deer to get up and moving. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But, uh, you want to start, you want to talk about how you got your start into traditional archery and how you, what made you switch from shooting the compound? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of, um, an interesting couple of events, uh, led me to, to start shooting the stick bow. I'd say the main thing was during, as soon as like the COVID lockdown hit, uh, whatever that was, March 2020, I should say when it initially locked down, um, I was shooting my compound and I don't know what I did, but I did something I shouldn't have done. And I, uh, I guess the proper term is I derailed my compound bow. (laughs) So it was all jacked up and I had been having some wear and tear issues with my compound up until that point. Um, just some different problems with limbs and cables getting chewed up. Cause I, I love to shoot. Uh, I, I shoot every day if I can. And, uh, you know, every bit of half hour, an hour, if I can, I, I just love to shoot. And I was just putting a lot of arrows through the compound and those, those issues are really starting to annoy me because, uh, between my business and just loving to shoot and hunt, I need it, need a functional, you know, working bow. And with the lockdown happening, I was having a hard time being able to get into a shop and get things fixed up. Had some extra time on my hands because, you know, government told us we couldn't go to work. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I, I just, I just decided that I was going to start trying to shoot a traditional bow. Um, it had been, been on my mind for a little bit and just decided to dive in. And I don't remember how or when, uh, but I was able to get connected with Tom Clum, um, that some people may be familiar with. And uh, I got on the phone with him and talked, talked to him for a little while. He got me set up with a bunch with like a starter bow, like a Sage Samick uh, and, and some different things and kind of guided me through getting started. And I just started to shoot and shoot and shoot. And after a couple of days of shooting that bow, I, I pretty quickly started to lose interest in, in wanting to shoot a compound. Um, <laughs> you know, as, as you know, and probably a lot of people who shoot a traditional bow know, it's, it's just so dang hard. And uh, that challenge was really what sucked me in because the number one thing that I love about archery hunting and the thing that keeps me crazy about it is it's just so challenging and the idea of a traditional bow shooting it hunting with it uh just really lit lit like a a fire in me that i wanted to keep going at it and and keep working on it so i did um continued to shoot that eventually or after a couple months invested in a a nicer bow Uh, i was a, a predator hunter was a nicer bow that i bought ended up doing some groundhog hunting with that uh, had some success uh, killing a couple groundhogs with that recurve. And then um, shortly after that is when I moved to central PA in the area we were talking about earlier and pretty much fully committed uh, to 
to hunting with that and shooting, shooting that. And 99.9% of my hunting and my time shooting uh, has been, been with the recurve probably for the past, oh, year and a half or so. Uh, and it's, it's just been awesome. I, I love, love every second of it. It's an addiction. It really, yeah. once you get started, it's really hard to put it down. Yeah, it really is. And um, speaking, spe- I mentioned Tom Clum there a few minutes ago. Uh, he said something on a podcast recently that I was like, you know what? That really makes sense. Something along the lines that when you shoot a compound bow, you, you really, you honestly just expect that you're going to hit your mark every time. And when you do, it's like, okay, yeah, good. I, I expected that. <laughs> but when you miss, you're, you're right. You're pissed off. You're angry. You're like, what the heck? Like I should be drilling, you know, drilling my spots. Yep. And, but with a, with a traditional bow, he was talking about how, when you, when you miss or when you're off with a traditional bow, you're like, okay, you know, I, I kind of expected that in a little bit of a sense, what do I need to do to improve? When you hit your mark with a traditional bow, you just like feel so dang good about it. It's just like such an awesome feeling to be able to hit your mark with it. And like that difference really resonated with me where with a compound, if you don't hit your mark, you're not happy. You're just pissed with a, (laughs) with a, with a traditional bow. When you hit your mark, you're really happy. And it's kind of like a a sense of like, Oh, I, I almost can't believe it, but I'm, you know, I'm excited that I'm making progress and I'm shooting better with this. So uh, it really is an addiction. It's, it's a challenge. And uh, I think that that's what, really keeps me and probably a lot of people coming back to it yeah i don't think you guys said that any better that's that's the whole that's where i get my flame from fish archery too is just that challenge and you know making myself a better hunter to succeed with it yeah yeah absolutely and to to me you know and and some people may feel this is diving a little bit too deep but i i've been thinking more and more about it recently uh with just really getting into into traditional archery but um I think that there's sense of once you start shooting one, it's like, Oh yeah. Like this is what we've been doing for a long time is shooting a traditional bow, right? A stick bow. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, once you feel it, once you do it, it's, it just feels like you found, you found a part of what just humans have been doing for a long time. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with a compound bow, but, that traditional bow is just like one step closer to man, like the most bare bones, primal human <laughs> that, you know, that, that Close we've, to Indian as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> as Indian, as, as primal, as native as you can get. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. And I use the compound for one year and I noticed that I shoot the compound. Like I go to a 3d and I shoot 30 shots with it and I'd be, my shoulder would be sore the next day just from shooting that many shots and stuff. Whereas a trad bow, I'm shooting 100 to 150 shots every single day and just loving it. I'm not getting tired from it. It's just right. um, there's something about it where you can just keep shooting it and shooting it. And it's more fun. Like we'll do a, we'll shoot a 3D course together and then we'll go back out and we'll start flinging them at 100 yards and stuff. Yeah, yeah we did that a couple times. Yeah, it just doesn't get old to shoot a traditional bow. No, no, it, it yeah, it really doesn't. Um, it's, it's just so interactive and it just requires, uh, so much of your mind your body and and just so much focus you can't you you can't go through the motions 
Uh, at least I can't. I, I have not been successful when I catch myself just kind of going through the motions, losing my focus, thinking about other, th- other stuff. Uh, that's when I get in trouble. So you really just stay dialed in and want to keep getting after it. Yeah. And there's always something to learn. It seems like no matter, yeah. no matter how deep you dive into traditional archery, you're always learning something through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. You know, there's so much, so much on a technical side and, and the mental side too. Uh, and then just on top of that, like I'm always reminding myself that, okay, you just made a good shot or you made a couple good shots. And that really doesn't mean anything for the next one. You know, like <laughs> the next one could be just absolutely terrible. Um, and that's where you just got to pull everything back together and make it, make it happen again and again and again. Yeah. And to shoot consistently good. You have to do everything the exact same every single time. Yeah. It's such a tough thing to do with archery. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's hard in any discipline in archery without a doubt. Uh, and I think with the traditional bow, it's just so much less forgiving between, you know, the inconsistent draw length between the heavier holding weights, um, uh, b- between the, the compensations that can happen because you don't have things like, you know, draw stop or, um, a super consistent rest, that sort of stuff. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's a challenge, no doubt. Absolutely. But, uh, so you said you started out that Samick Sage and I know you moved to that the other wood bow you had, which was, what was it called? That was a, a Predator X. Yeah, and then now you have the Hoyt Satori riser, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I got uh, got a Hoyt Satori riser and then put Trad Tech limbs on it, which I really like. Uh, I I really like that Predator, um, but in the process of me learning, and actually you pointed out to me, but in the process of me learning and getting things right and wrong. Uh, I twisted uh, the top limb on that bow yeah. and it's still shot and shoots just fine. But uh, predator for um, I'm not sure why I think some different family reasons, perhaps they uh, don't make bows anymore. They closed up their business. So um, I, like I said earlier, shooting so much and relying on my bow for my business and enjoyment and hunting. Uh, I wanted to get something that, that was reliable was reliable and was easier to replace. Um, I love the idea of the wood bow and I, I, I'd say I'd probably prefer it, but you know, the, the Hoyt Satori riser, you know, being an ILF type rig, um, as I'm learning is, is just easier to be able to replace and to, um, to, I guess, mimic if, you know, something were to go wrong or yeah. and that sort of thing. So. Do you just want to talk about, uh, how you, like how your shot process more or less and how you uh, aim or whatever you, how you shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a, a living, breathing fluid thing. I definitely can't, I definitely will say that I don't have it figured out yet. Um, yeah. I think everybody has a different way of doing it, which I love talking about how people shoot a traditional bow because every, everybody's yeah. so different and it all seems to work out in a way, you know, it just, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with that, with that being said, I think one thing that I fell into is like getting to a pretty good point of shooting and thinking like, you know, I've got everything figured out and kind of limiting myself there and not exploring like other methods, other ways. Like for instance, I kind of found a, an anchor point uh, and uh, mostly instinctive, I guess I'd say that did pretty well for a bit. 
But then as I went on, I realized that, you know, I'm just not as consistent as I want. So even actually in this past week, I uh, changed, changed my anchor point, um, kind of changed, I'd, I'd say my draw length is a little bit longer, but to wrap it up in a hole uh, or wrap it up into a summary, uh, the first thing I do is I, I check my grips, my, my bow grip and my hook, uh, you know, holding onto the string. And I try to get nail that down and make that consistent each time. And then as I'm drawing, I'm focusing on getting to that anchor point. So I'm pushing, pushing, I'm keeping that front shoulder down and, and pushing into the bow and getting to that anchor point. Once I get to that anchor point, which is now is pretty high. I anchor pretty high. Uh, a guy that an older guy that certainly knows more uh, in the league we were shooting recommended getting that arrow knock like right below my eye. Uh, and when I did that, that seemed to really help and, and really work well for me. So anchor point is pretty high, and I'm now anchoring farther back on my face, where I was kind of on my cheekbone to start, but uh, now I'm like cheekbone but farther back. And that I feel has helped me um, get into not only a lot better back tension, but also pulling through the shot, which is like, that's something I see you do well through your clicker. Um, yeah. The clicker really I, helps you with that. Yeah. And I, I don't, I have not shot a clicker yet. Uh, and the main reason is just because that idea of coming from so much stuff on it that I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can, but um, I, I definitely, you know, could, could see myself trying one in the future, but for now, uh, I've been shooting pretty well with, yeah, I don't think you need one. I don't think you should change anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, we'll see. I try to keep an open mind, but at the same time, I, uh, I do feel really good, uh, with where I'm at. So I get back to that farther anchor point and I try to maintain that, that solid, strong front arm pushing and then getting into that back tension. And, uh, one thing that has helped me uh, a lot recently is being more patient where I felt that I was having a tendency to kind of get to that anchor point, start to get into my back tension. And then uh, that, sh that shot would break, but kind of letting myself get settled in more, start to build that tension more and more and more. Uh, and then when I, when that arrow releases, or I guess when I'm releasing that string, uh, I'm basically trying to keep everything exactly the same, meaning my front, my front arm, my hand, my shoulder, everything in the front the same. The only mm -hmm. thing is just pulling, pulling my hand off of that string is uh, where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, it's all it's kind of all subject to change. It's all uh, stuff that I, trying to tinker with and play with just to get a little bit better. And as I see, you know, either other people talking about methods that work for them or, you know, learning from other people, watching you, watching guys at league, whatever it is, uh, you know, just, I guess, adapting, you know, and evolving that shot. Yeah. And you're always changing with traditional archery too, trying to find something more comfortable, better. Sure. And I'm sure it, that shot process will probably change by the next hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. It very well could. Um, and then the last, the one thing I didn't mention, you had asked about aiming, uh, when I first started, since I was focusing a lot on what I was doing with, you know, my body and my technique, I largely was just, you know, as, you know, as, as instinctive as my kind of veering towards that. 
but more recently, um, I heard it on a podcast with somebody. I wish I could remember, but they talked about they talked about shooting with what's called a, a feels good gap, meaning that like I don't know what my gap is like inches wise. I just know what it looks like. Um, like when I'm looking down the arrow and when I'm when I see the tip of that arrow. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the spot I want to hit. I'm seeing the tip of that arrow in the, my peripheral vision. And again, I don't know, you know, if it's 14, 16, 18 inches under, I'm not sure that that gap looks like, whether it's under a dot, whether it's under, um, you know, the, the, um, top of the heart, you know, on a deer or whatever it is, it's just, mm-hmm. that, it, you know, feels good. It feels right. It looks right. Uh, type of gap. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that's also how I aim, which I think it works best for me. So sure. I, I like that style of aiming. But yeah. um yeah. yeah, so you used to live you lived you used to live towards Pittsburgh and then you moved yeah. up here to central PA. You yeah. want to talk about that transition from that like suburb hunting to this rolling farm country? Yeah, yeah. So I lived uh, north of Pittsburgh, about 45 minutes, um, in the area of like Mars, Pennsylvania, just South of Butler. Uh, and it was a nice mix. It's like a, there's a, like a collision happening there of suburbia and still your classic, you know, Western PA farms. So I was hunting a little bit of both and as urban sprawl, and things are, are as urban sprawl is, is taking over the area and things are getting more suburban. Uh, there's a lot of deer there and they're just getting more and more concentrated into the woods that are left. Um, you know, uh, around me down there where I was living, a, a big chunk of timber was like a hundred acres. Really, really big. It was pretty hard to find like a hundred acres of timber down where we're, so with that being said, in my opinion, it really made bow hunting easier uh, than what I've experienced up here. And the reason for that is in most cases, if there was timber, uh, there were going to be deer in it. it. It was just a matter of like how dense and how many deer were in it mm-hmm. uh, just because there's not, you know, you don't have the, this big woods or um, you know, the rolling hills or even starting to get into a little bit of mountainous stuff like there is up around here. Uh, it's definitely partitioned between housing development, some farms here, uh, that type of stuff. So when, you know, I, I'd have a property with, uh, with some timber on it, there's very likely going to be deer using it, living, living in it, bedding in it. And then from there, it's just a matter of, what's the best way to hunt it? You know, how do they use that property? How do they use that timber? Where do they feed? Where's the hunting pressure coming from? That sort of stuff. Um, like to, to paint an example, um, I had, I had permission to a, about a 100 acre block of timber and nothing super special about the timber, you know, kind of a mixture of your normal uh, type of trees, a little bit thick, not, not anything crazy. I knew that a couple hunters came in from one side, so I um, I got permission from a uh, a homeowner in the housing development that bordered the other side of the hundred acres of timber. I put a ground blind about thirty yards into into the timber. Nothing super special there, just some trails kind of going through. 
And uh, I think the first time I sat there last year, yeah, last year, first time I sat there, uh, I was able to double up on dough with <laughs> my compound. Um, and I will be the first one to say that, like, that's not because I'm some, you know, great hunter that had some excellent strategy. It was just that there's this nice chunk of timber, uh, pretty decent access and kind of get into it. And deer were coming back to bedding, you know, somewhere in the timber. Uh, whereas up here, if, at least where I'm hunting and uh, the places that I've gotten permission to, there's a lot more places for deer to be, whether it's on the game lands, you know, pretty, pretty uh, extensive amounts of timber there, or mm -hmm. even just, you know, different properties I've gotten permission to. There's quite a bit of timber or, or I should say possible bedding around. So it has been more challenging to try to figure out where the deer are, you know, how they travel, how they use these, these bigger uh, types of areas. So it's, it's gone from more of, I guess, you know, smaller kind of like micro type hunting to uh, a much bigger scale. And it, yeah. it's been, been challenging, but it, it's definitely been uh, really humbling for sure. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this year also you really took on ground hunting which is a pretty big transition from hunting in a tree stand to switching on the yeah. ground There's... yeah yeah it is and i i really have loved it um between starting to get or between going full into the traditional archery and hunting that way and then hunting on the ground it's a really really challenging uh but really exciting uh, kind of unique way to hunt going back to that idea of like just a super naturalistic way to hunt with a traditional bow off the ground uh, you know using natural cover whether that's still hunting or setting up in a spot and part of the reason why I started doing that is because I do like just the natural bare bones appeal of it but the other component is that right now at this point in my life I'm blessed to be able to hunt a lot uh most mo this season and, and last season too i have been able to get out most uh evenings to hunt throughout october and november um however i normally especially as october starts to go and the days get shorter i normally only have about an hour maybe an hour and a half of daylight so with that being the case the most efficient way for me to be able to get out and, and get into a spot without, uh, you know, the potential risk of either disturbing things or blowing things out has been to hunt on the ground. So part of, part of the reason I started doing that, uh, has definitely been for, I don't want to, I don't want to say the ease of it because it, it sounds like I'm lazy and there are times I'm lazy and that I just don't want to climb a tree, but, it's just a, it's been a really efficient way for me to hunt on uh, evenings or on days that I just don't have a lot of time. Um, I'm, I know that some guys are really efficient with their hanging hunts uh, setups and I'm not quite there yet. And being new to this area, uh, I don't have any permanent stands up here yet. I'm, I'm definitely going to be able to have some up uh, next season, mm -hmm. but um not being super efficient uh, and having that short time hunting off the ground has been great. The other two things that uh, or the other, one of the other things that has really 
been valuable with hunting off of the ground is that let me think about uh both i killed a, a buck on public land this year and then i killed a, a doe uh, on my dad's farm and both of the spots that or both of the areas that i got those deer uh were not huntable from a tree um the the buck that i killed was in or was on like a kind of like a, a hillside that had been uh, stripped a while back and replanted in like some grass and pines and autumn olive and stuff, some fairly thick stuff, uh, that I was still hunting through and, uh, and no trees around to be able to hang a stand in or get up in a tree. And then the doe that I was able to kill, um, the past couple of years, we've been learning my dad's farm and we just knew that these old mature doe would, bed in a place where they could see a lot of the trees that we would try to get up in and hunt it, hunt out of if they saw us get in them they wouldn't wouldn't come out to feed uh so i got in a kind of a little bit of a pinch point uh tucked into some brush with a ghillie suit and sure enough a doe group came by and was able to kill her uh at nine yards so uh those are just two examples of places where the only or the maybe the best way or yeah i guess the only way to be successful was uh to do it from the ground now it's certainly something that i i feel that doesn't work everywhere um there, there's these small details that i'm figuring out and noticing that you have to have for or, or you really do need for hunting off the ground to work but uh it's yeah, and man, it's just, it's so fun. It's its so intriguing and it's exciting uh, having some of those encounters on the ground. Yeah, you had a heck of a year too. If you, if you want to go in and talk about your buck and doe hunt and what you did, what you think you did right, then like your setups, your scent control, the, your ghillie suit you're using, how you set up on them. Yeah. Because you guys go into the story and let it roll. Yeah, yeah. So we can start with the buck. Um, this was an area, this, this was public lands, um, or public land game lands. And it was an area that I hunted last year. Uh, a friend of mine has a camp, just a small little camp, uh, that kind of borders the game lands that he lets me park at. And, uh, I'm able to enter in from that way. And like I said, it's, it's, kind of a gentle hillside that wraps around like a, a, a big hill. So it's the hillside that wraps around the big hill. It was, um, I believe stripped, um, a while back and then replanted in, like I said, grass, uh, shrubs, autumn olive, locust trees, things like that. So it is actually an area that three days before archery bear season last year, I ran into a really big bear, uh, within bow range of my recurve but three days early. So this year uh, on the October 18th, I actually went back in there uh, with the hopes that there would be bears uh, in there this year. Uh, I kind of, my mind that night was kind of on hopefully getting a bear and I was kind of putting deer on the side that night. But when I got in there, um, it was pretty evident uh, pretty quickly that there were no bear, bears in there, but there were a lot of deer in there. Um, so my plan was to, there was a pretty good wind that day. I think there was like 15, 20 mile per hour, 20 mile per hour winds. So my plan was just to still hunt through there. And if I found something I liked, then I would, would set up. 
uh, in this area is a good place to still hunt because even though it was dry, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of grass that was replanted uh, and makes for quiet walking. So mm -hmm. I started still hunting, started still hunting uh, through this area, and I'm just kind of creeping down this. It's kind of like a grassy lane with the thick stuff on either sides. And I heard something. I thought it was a snap. I thought it was like a, a branch snapping, like a bear breaking off an autumn olive branch or something like that. And so I'm creeping up, I'm creeping up, and I get kind of around this bend of this bend of this grassy lane. And I look look about a hundred yards down the lane, and there's two pretty good sized bucks uh, fighting in, in the lane. And I mean, they're going at it. They're <laughs> it's October 18th, so it's not like full on. You know, their their testosterone's not at an all time high, but they were going at it pretty hard and they went at it for about five or 10 minutes. Um, so I just kind of watched, I stayed tucked into a couple lot of all, all autumn olive bushes and I kind of watched, uh, they again, fighted five, 10 minutes and they kind of eventually disappeared up into the thicker stuff. So I slowly started to move up and I was hoping that I'd be able to move up grunt and one come in. So I, I move up and I'm slowly working up. Uh, and I catch antlers up in the thick stuff, maybe 40, 40 yards away. So I drop down to my knees, get real low. I grunt, wait a couple minutes, grunt again, grunt a couple times. He doesn't show up. So say, okay, you know, didn't work that time. Mm -hmm. So I, I kept working and, and smoothly working through. And I, as I was working through, I ended up bumping a couple of does um, that I, I, I crossed, crossed the grassy lane in a way that I shouldn't have. It was, I was too visible lesson learned there. Um, should have stayed tighter and shouldn't have put myself in the open like that. Bumped a few does at this point had maybe 40, 40 minutes or so, 30 minutes or so of daylight or shooting light left rather. And I'm kind of working through, working through. And I kind of, I get to a point where, uh, or point or get to a spot where it's daylight's really starting to go. Uh, there's some good cover. I'm kind of looking up into some thick stuff where those bucks and, and those doe, those doe went up to um, a little bit higher up the hill. Mm -hmm. So I tuck, tuck into these autumn olive bushes. I did have a ghillie suit on and I actually was wearing an orange vest and an orange hat because I wasn't sure if I had to wear orange or not um, because it was uh, muzzleloader season two for doe. <laughs> Um, but I tucked into these autumn olive bushes and I was tucked in them enough and I was standing, uh, I was tucked into them enough that I could see up, up the hill a little bit and, you know, still remain concealed. I had some good back cover. I was, didn't really have a lot of front cover, but I kind of was tucked into the side of a bush. So I was concealed pretty well. And after three or four minutes of sitting there, um, I saw antlers. Uh, they, there was a buck up there just had come out of that thick stuff, starting to graze in front of me. And I was looking at him and playing that game. You know, do I want to shoot him? Do I not want to shoot him? And he was daylight's fading. He's starting to feed closer. And I'm like, okay, if he gets to that, that, that spot, I figured it was like 18 yards or so. And I was like, that's, that's going to be my shot. Uh, and it seemed like, it seemed like it was happening in slow motion, like the daylight starting to fade, you know, almost starting to go out. He turns broadside and I'm like, yeah, like this is to me at that moment, it was not so much about what I killed as far as like what kind of buck or how old or how big yeah. it was. 
it wasn't to me about what I killed. It was how I, I, I was going to kill him, which was public land on the ground with a recurve first deer off public land. I was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I drew back and, um, settled in and I released the arrow and her, it looked pretty good. Heard a big thud. Uh, it, the arrow did not pass through. I, I saw it hit him and he took off on what I call like a death sprint. Um, you know, like if you've ever hit a, hit a deer and, and, uh, put a lethal shot on them, you know, a lot of times like it's their last sprint. Yeah. And that's what I saw. So I was like, okay, well that, that's a really good sign. Um, you know, I was, I was excited, but I didn't hear him crash. Uh, I didn't see anything. So I waited, I just stayed put for a few minutes and then I just wanted to take a couple of steps out from those bushes I was tucked into to see what I saw. And, um, what I would now say is probably a rookie mistake, not knowing how well I hit him. I saw the arrow laying about 30 yards in the direction he ran. So at first I was like, Oh man, like is he laying right there? Like <laughs> I kind of slowly walked down and I look at the arrow and it had fallen out. Um, had, had really good blood on it. Uh, looked good. The, I got maybe, I think I got maybe 12 inches of penetration. Um, so I felt good about it, but, uh, not much, not much blood trail. So mm. I was kind of concerned. Uh, it looked shot looked good. He took off on that death sprint, but not a lot of blood, not a ton of penetration either. You know, not what, kind of, what kind of broadheads were you using? I was shooting, uh, the cutthroat, uh, single bevel two blades. Okay. And it was 225 grains up front for a total of 575 grains. Um, so fairly heavy arrow, a uh, decent bit of weight up front. And so I just decided to, I just decided to kind of sit down, uh, sit down where I found the arrow. Uh, I tried to call my dad. I couldn't get a hold of him, but I just, I, I uh, waited for about a half hour and I really felt that the shot was good. So I just started a grid search and probably was, was way was too soon uh, with the information that I had, but it was kind of the type of thing, or at least in my head at that moment, I was like, you know what? Uh, if, if I didn't lethally hit this deer, he's going to be really hard to find. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I just, in my brain, and I don't know is necessarily the right thing, but I, in my brain, I was like, I'm just going to look. So, <laughs> so I started to look, I started a grid search. I, I went into this super thick, nasty stuff that, uh, <laughs> that I thought he ran down into, didn't find him, couldn't find him, starting to get discouraged. So I walked back to, <laughs> I walked back to where I had sat down next to that arrow, just kind of regrouping myself and thinking what I should do next. And mm -hmm. as I'm sitting back at that original spot I sat down at, I just shining the light around and he's laying like 20 yards from me, just <laughs> piled up, just dead. He was just laying there the whole time. <laughs> He had died immediately. Uh, it was a, just about a perfect heart shot. What had happened is I, like I said, I was kind of looking up the hill a little bit into that thick stuff. Uh, it was a much, much harder upward angle than I had thought. So I went in, I went in right behind the shoulder, right through the center of the heart, but the angle was significant enough upwards that it's that broadhead slammed into the opposite shoulder blade uh, punched a hole in it, 
but didn't go through, didn't pass through. And somehow, I still don't know how uh, that arrow worked its way out as he took off running, um, which was really weird. I mean, it, you know, as you know, that those, those uh, two blades and the single bevel, you know, they kind of just make a little slit. Yeah. And I don't know how the arrow f- came back out of that one hole, but, <laughs> um, but he, he had ran about 70 yards, piled up, died immediately, crashed, skid mark. Um, all the blood was pretty much still contained inside of him uh, because I only had the entrance hole and it was yeah. a little slit, which I don't know if you see this often, but uh, I've seen it on a handful of deer that a lot of times like the, the muscle tissue and the, the hide just slides back over that hole and just close. Yeah. It. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, that was where, that was the reason I didn't have a blood trail and that upward angle hitting that opposite shoulder blade was, the reason why um, I I didn't get more penetration, and I I really would have liked I I was wasn't bummed, but I really would have liked to have seen you know that arrow go through that opposite shoulder blade. But for those that know um, or are familiar a little bit with anatomy, uh, where that arrow had hit in the shoulder blade was pretty much right in on the spine of the shoulder blade, which is like the the thick ridge. That yeah runs down the center of the shoulder blade, which is uh, really dense, uh, thick, tough bone. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting. It, uh, I was very happy with the damage that the broadhead did. Uh, would have liked to have seen, you know, it punched through that opposite shoulder blade. But um, all in all, it was, oh, man, it was just so exciting. The, the biggest thing that I, I took away from there was uh, – was again it wasn't so much to me about what deer i killed but but how i did it i've always said that's always really not what you get it's how you do it no matter what you do yeah and that 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 really nails it and that kind of speaks to what continually uh keeps me coming back to hunting off the ground with a recurve is that like doing it that way it's hard and i think i only had like a half a dozen shot opportunities this year um with a lot of sits i don't know maybe 40 sits or whatever but mm-hmm. um but man it like when it comes together it's it's just amazing uh, <laughs> and I'll, there's I'll, nothing better yeah oh man it it was just incredible and i'll i'll touch on that again for um for the dough that i was able to get but yeah so that's the story of my buck he was a two and a half year old eight point um nothing you know, nothing super impressive as far as in the rack or any, anything goes, but, but it was exciting. It was cool. It was a, a, a good lesson learned. It was neat seeing, it was neat seeing the, that, that buck activity uh, on October 18th, you know, it, it's still kind of, you know, a little bit early in October to, to see much of that, but um, man, there were just a lot of deer in that area. I think the autumn olives were, were pretty ripe either I, I don't know if they were eating the olives or the leaves or what um mm-hmm. but i think that night in that area i saw i think i saw probably about 10 deer which in my experience on on public land that was a good night uh for me like two two or three bucks and then i think like half a dozen doe or so oh absolutely that's a fantastic night yeah in these parts so in and I had messaged you about this not too long ago, uh, but you had 
you had kind of taught me this, but like I said, I was in there actually hoping to come across some bears and there's a nearby cornfield there. Um, yeah, that's the ticket right there. Last year it was, uh, there was corn in there last year and that's when I ran into that bear this year, I was not corn and there was no bear sign, uh, no bears in there. Uh, very clear, you know, with, with all the deer being, being packed in there. So, um, that was, that was a cool lesson too, that, you know, you kind of taught me, I'm hoping next year that area is corn because, uh, it, it should be pretty good. It's yeah, a, I mean, really, not to really, get, not to really get into it, but I mean, bear has a home range of like over a hundred miles, I believe. Wow. So they're gonna, they're gonna find the standing corn. It just, that's yeah. what it seems to be the, that corn is just what gets them. Yeah. 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 And that was clear last year. So, uh, it was cool. And I, I kind of actually expected that area to be, uh, to have been pressured a little bit, but I was seeing deer, like I was seeing deer almost immediately when I went in there and I went in there like two hours before, uh, sunset and I was seeing deer out feeding, moving, those bucks were fighting. Uh, so that was cool. That was, that was neat. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nice to find those pockets where there's, it's just unpressured. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that that area does get rifle hunted, uh, but I guess that just being, um, you know, an archery season and, uh, and you know, I had to walk a little bit to get in there and the drag was was pretty far out. You know, it was a good half mile drag out, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that was a, a good learning experience. Like I said, it was my first year on public land. Um, so that was, that was a first, that was uh, exciting. And then, so that was in that was in very, very expansive, uh, timber, uh, just good, lots of good cover around. Um, there's kind of clear cuts around in that area. Uh, there's really no, there's really no ag, uh, since there was no corn in that field this year. So that was what I would consider in my experience, at least big country. Um, mm -hmm. the flip side, the, the dough that, um, I was able to harvest and, uh, I was excited about this buck, but this dough, I was, 10 times as excited for um this was a little bit different it was back home so in the mars area uh, my dad uh maybe three about three years now uh he acquired or he bought a new home on a 23 acre farm and uh it's something that we've always we've always dreamed of you know we've always wanted our own little piece of ground to control and keep the pressure off and um and just have to ourselves. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's in that kind of mixture of suburban with farmland uh, in the mix too. Like to give you an idea uh, on, on one side of his property is a really big couple hundred acre, nice farm. And then on the other side of his property is are a couple of mansions. One of which uh, the guy won, the lottery a couple years ago <laughs> like it's just like mansions and and little housing developments and stuff on the other side so uh it's it's got a little bit of of a feel of kind of both of those things colliding like i talked about earlier but uh this 23 acre farm he has it's uh it's kind of like a, a giant square and there's not it's mostly there's some field, it's mostly open, meaning that uh, there's some fields on it that a farmer still plants. Um, there is some, some brush, uh, kind of some brushy strips, some old fence rows on it. And then there's uh, a good, good block of timber on the other side. So I had gone down there 
uh, just because I, you know, of course, enjoy hunting with my dad and, you know, hunting on property like that, it's not pressured with a goal of getting a doe, right? I had already filled my buck tag on October 18th. This was, this was November 13th mm-hmm. that, that I had gone down there. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny because even though we have complete control of that farm and, um, you know, we're able to set things up how we want, it's been really challenging. I've, I've hunted there a, a decent bit the past three years and uh, had not been able to kill a deer yet, not even a, a doe. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a catch 22 because we do have this place, but still challenging. So, and what I had mentioned earlier, we had talked about earlier on this farm is that um, the, there are some permanent stands there that we hung uh, this year, past couple of years. And my dad hunts them some. And I just felt like to get into some of these stands that the deer could see us. Uh, the deer could see us get in them, you know, whether that was 100 yards off, 150 yards off. If we wanted to hunt in a stand, it, was, it had to be on the fringe of the property and it was just too close to the bedding. So after, you know, hunting, hunting those stands a couple of times or a handful of times the past few years, I just felt that that wasn't the way to do it. I needed to do something different. And, uh, that's what, that's what I did. And that's, that's where I went to the ground hunting. So there on that farm, there is a really good pinch point between a pond that is in the center of the property. And then, uh, there's like a kind of like a deep, not a deep, but there's like a little thick ravine in between the pond and that thick ravine. There's like what you've called before. And what you've kind of taught me is that land bridge. Best pinch point ever. Yeah. And that's essentially, that's, that's what it is. Is it's like, you've called it's a land bridge and it's an awesome pinch point. And if the deer are unpressured, if they don't feel like anybody, if they haven't seen anybody or no one's blown them out going and hunting, they'll they'll make their cross on that land bridge and the thing that makes it even sweeter is on the one side is a bean field that uh, was not harvested so there's a lot of beans over there and mm-hmm. then on the other side is the the timber and all the bedding so if they want to get over to that bean field they are most likely they don't have to but they're most likely going to go through uh or go across that land bridge so to hunt that land bridge, there's no trees along it. There's really no trees to get into. Uh, and I wanted to also, I just really wanted to, to uh, kill a doe off the ground there with my recurve. So mm-hmm. looking at it and, you know, looking at what the wind was and trying to figure out what the best way to approach it. Uh, there's, like I said, some brushy fence rows on that farm. And there's a couple of them that, kind of run run alongside the uh that land bridge so i tucked back into one uh with my ghillie suit on um i had my pair of hand clippers that i keep with me you know trim a little bit of stuff so that i've got a lane and so that's clear to shoot and the the best way for me to that i felt for me to do this was the deer gonna have to like uh like pass me and, and go past me a little bit. And then I was going to get the shot. So 
I set up that way with that plan. And that's exactly what happened about 15 minutes before uh, the end of legal shooting light is a, a doe group had come out of bedding and I couldn't see, couldn't really see much. I wasn't going to really see much until they were almost right there because I was so tucked into that brush. Yep. And uh, one doe kind of came, came past me pretty quick. Like she wasn't running, but she was kind of like trotting. And then I could see through the brush, a real, really big body doe. And before she cleared that brush, that was my block to draw. So I had that cover in front of me. I drew, she started to pass me. I confirmed that she was a big mature doe and I grunted a little bit to stop her because I didn't want to shoot moving. She stopped at about nine yards and I released that arrow and I just watched that arrow go right behind the shoulder. It passed, passed straight through. She took off running. She ran about 60 yards. She stopped. She looked around uh, and, and then just piled over. And <laughs> that was, oh man, that was the absolute most exciting, exciting hunt, exciting deer that I have ever, uh, ever gotten. Uh, more exciting than any buck I've gotten with a bow. Uh, it was just a combination of getting my butt kicked by that, you know, our, our little personal farm there, getting my butt kicked by that being able to do it off the ground, do it with a recurve and to do it so close. Uh, on yeah, it's a, about, on it's a about how you do it. Yeah. That was, that was all about uh, how I did it. I mean, I've been, been really trying uh, there the past couple of years and it just hasn't come together. And like when it finally did, because I, you know, just made the decision to, to do something different instead of going and sitting in, you know, the stand that we had hung or even, even trying to do a hanging hunt in somewhere creative, just seeing, okay, like I need, I told my dad that night, I was like, I need to be like right here. And the only way I can do that is by tucking into that brush and it's going to happen fast. They're going to come by and they're going to be like right there. Um, but like, that's where I've got to be. That's, this is the only spot that I can be covered up. I can be close enough uh, and I can be downwind of them. And it just all came together. And it was like, it was the, the, coolest craziest adrenaline rush like you know that excitement you got you get that i've ever gotten especially because i got to watch her uh you know pile over and knew that it was a done deal i'm sure you've had a had some of those where when like you see them go down and you know it's finished like that's yeah it's a pretty good feeling yeah yeah so that was uh that was my other other successful hunt um and been a been a really good year for sure lots lots to learn uh a a lot that i have learned and um man yeah just just how you do it is is so rewarding to me and 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 you know how i'm trying to absolutely so yeah i've noticed that ravines and water make the best pinch point tunnels and that's exactly what made that land bridge for you yeah yeah and then uh pretty cool and that's i just wanted to to add quickly to that is that is one of the biggest things that i've learned about hunting off the ground is that at least for me um i i most of the time have my best hunts or my best opportunities when i'm hunting like a really specific pinch point like that like i'm not 
like I'm not going out on like an Oak Ridge, you know, where they can kind of come through anywhere in trying to hunt off the ground there. Like I'm hunting like a, like a fence gap or um, hunting a land bridge or uh, some sort of pinch point between, you know, like a couple of fallen down trees or something like that. Oh, absolutely. That's how I've always hunted. You might, and it kind of sucks because sometimes you might not be in the right spot where you actually should be, but at least, you know, when something comes by, it's going to be at that 12, 13 yard range yeah. and with the recurve. It's pretty much how you have to hunt or you're just yeah. going to end up winging one out, out at about 23 yards and right. It'll happen. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So it, it, it really has forced me to be a much better hunter in figuring out not only where I can set up to be concealed, but also how can I set up so that I do have that close of a shot um, and being selective too, you know, like where, where I'm going to hunt. Like there might, um, you know, there might be, lots of places that I could set up that would, that would, you know, uh, theoretically be good on a farm or property or, or game lands, but mm -hmm. only a select few of those are going to work uh, to set up on the ground and have that, that close shot, that close opportunity while staying concealed too. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask about your dad's property. You said you get yeah. in the stand, you think those does see you. Yeah. Do you ever notice the same thing in the morning or do you have better success in seeing deer in the morning? Cause you get there before they're coming into bed. No. Um, in, in my experience, it's a lot worse in the morning because, uh, his, his farm is, and we're, we're working on it, um, kind of doing some habitat stuff, but his farm is very strong in the, the food department. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're in their feeding. They're in their feeding and, uh, and the, the vast majority of hunts it's, just blowing stuff out or not seeing anything uh, because they are somewhere on the farm feeding and, you know, you, and you can see, you know, you can, you can see pretty good uh, in, in some areas. So it's, it's really tough in the morning. And I, it's to the point that I really don't even mess with it. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you could, there, there are a couple spots that I think, would would be possible maybe in the morning at the you know just honestly kind of getting lucky that they stay out a little bit later uh and and come back to bed a little bit later but uh you almost have to do some sort of feeding area to get to any sort of bedding so yeah yeah and then i just had a couple more questions whenever yeah. Yeah. whenever you're still hunting do you use any type of scent control or are you always working with the wind in your favor yeah, and, uh, yeah. You want to talk about your ghillie suit a little bit? And when you are still hunting, are you have like a set destination? Or are you kind of just more or less scouting and hunting at the same time? Yeah, those are those are all good questions. Um, so first thing, scent control. Um, I'm I'm definitely playing the wind, and that's my biggest factor. And thermals too. Uh, you know, the the wind takes priority, but I've found that it seems like if the wind is like anything less than six, seven miles an hour, especially as like an evening goes on, uh, then the thermals take over. So mm -hmm. either playing that where knowing that, you know, my sense going to be going downhill or going to a lower elevation. Uh, and then the wind, I guess that is top priority. I used to be like, Scent freak scent control, uh, especially back home when I had like permanent stands, I could 
I could drive to, you know, one of, one of my properties that I had permission at and had, you know, really nice access route. Wasn't going to sweat at all. Was going to get in there quiet, would always Mm -hmm. shower before I go hunt. But talking about what we talked about earlier that I'm lucky to be able to hunt most evenings, but I'm very limited on time. So a lot of times like I'm coming straight from work or, um, you know, just don't have time to, to shower and get cleaned up. So I've, and I know it, I, I know that it bites me in the butt in some instances, but it's just the way it is. If I want to go hunt, um, yeah. I really don't, I really don't like take any, any scent precautions. I, you know, do the normal stuff of washing, um, my clothes in, uh, you know, scent free soap. And I do take scent free showers when I do shower. Um, uh, but I don't use any sprays anymore or anything. I don't, uh, shower, uh, normally before I go hunt anymore. Um, yeah. it's just, it's just all wind and thermal base. And again, I'm not saying that like, Oh, I don't need to do that stuff. I think it definitely helps. Um, I just know that I either have the choice of getting into a spot with an hour of daylight left and, um, and getting in at a time that I'm not going to blow things out, or I can try to, you know, take a shower. I can try to, you know, do the extra stuff for scent and risk, you know, going in there too late. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the scent side of things. Definitely, definitely all, all wind based um, for sure. That's, that's my, my saving grace there. As far as the ghillie suit, um, I pretty, I hunted a lot with one this year. I do like it. I do think it helps. I, I don't know how much um, I, have i have one that's just from the the it's called the gilly gilly shoot shop.com i think it was like a hundred bucks it's it's pretty bulky uh it's actually pretty warm too which is nice when it gets cool but pretty rough hot. um but uh it's pretty bulky it kind of just has like long strands uh kind of hanging from it that that really give it some nice form and some nice shape and um I, I do think it just blends in really well, whether it's in the brush or like a fallen down tree um, or, or like standing in some autumn olive bushes like, like that. It, I think it does just help you disappear, help break up your shape, uh, your shape. So yeah. uh, I definitely will, will continue hunting with it. I definitely like it enough. Um, the only time the I'm trying to think of like downfalls or things that I didn't like, the only time when I won't wear that that heavier, thicky, thicker ghillie suit is if I am planning on either going into an area or still hunting through an area that I know is going to be thick, because that that thing hangs up on. <laughs> like I like I swear, like you'd you'd stick to you'd stick to like your living room wall if you brushed against it. Like <laughs> it, oh my gosh, it, it's it's to the point where it's really frustrating. So, um, if I'm going to still hunt, I either just wear normal clothes or I have a much lighter, uh, like leafy suit that I think, you know, gives you a little bit of a a shape and form breakup, but it's not so, so aggressive. Um, so just really depends on, on where I'm going to hunt as far as wearing that, but I do like it. And I do think, uh, that's, that it is valuable. Yeah. I was just going to say, I I think if I personally would get into like the type of hunting you're doing, I think I would go with a leafy flodge mm-hmm. just for the fact that my cousin, Denny, who's really big into turkeys, he used a ghillie suit before and he said 
he didn't have as much much success with it because he thinks that the animals thought it was almost like fur. It almost looks like a fur type compared to the leafy flodge where the leaf flodge is, it just looks like leaves, you know? Yeah. It's more, it's more natural. Yeah. Yeah. I could, and I could see that being the case. Um, you know, like I said, it is, it is a little bit bulkier. Uh, and it's the, the one that I, that I said has like strands hanging from it. Uh, I could see how that, that would look like it. And there, you know, it kind of, kind of comes back to the idea of like matching your surroundings where, um, there are some instances where like a leafy foliage, like would, would look better in like a fallen down tree, um, or like a treetop or something like that. Yep. Uh, in, I do like, I do really like the way that that ghillie suit disappears into like, um, like either brush or I don't know what it would be considered, but you know how, like, you know, when like goldenrod and that type of stuff like gets brown and dies. Yeah that type of stuff uh ghillie suit really disappears nice into that but yeah no i i could definitely see uh that being the case and be interesting to kind of try the two and i mean i can definitely say that i have i've had a couple hunts where i've gotten picked off um i i i do think they were more my the one i was kind of sitting on a fallen log and i think i was sticking up too much yeah and the other one i i know i just blatantly moved Cause I was being a dummy and looking at my phone, uh, <laughs> looking at my phone, like 15 minutes before the end of shooting light. And that was, that was stupid. I was checking the time. Um, but yeah, it's that, that's one of those areas as far as ghillie suit camo, et cetera, that would be cool to get a bunch of different people together with different experiences and like figure out, you know, what, if, what if some people, you know, had success with versus not. Yeah, absolutely. So, um and the last thing you would ask is still hunting uh destination or just kind of scouting and um and kind of hunting as i go um more more the former but i would say the big the big thing that i'm doing when i still hunted and i didn't get to do it really at all this year because i killed a buck early but i did it a lot last year and man is it a blast uh is just still hunting through like on a thick edge or through a thick area and grunting um, that, that's primarily what I'm doing when I'm still hunting. I'm, when I'm still hunting, I, I feel like I'm normally still hunting in hopes of, of grunting and, and, uh, having an encounter with a buck, uh, just because number one, you can bring them to you. Uh, and number two, you can, you have that, that visual of their antlers. Whereas like, I love to still hunt because it's active and it's a lot of fun, but I feel like it's a lot harder if you're hoping to kill a doe. Um, now I, I, you know, don't have enough experience to say, you know, that how much harder, but I just think because of those two things, it's harder. So the, the majority of the time, um, like I said, I did a lot last year and hope to get it to, to hope to be able to do it some next year is, Picking either uh, like a thick edge, like the edge of a clear cut or um, where I'm at, a lot of the game lands have like some overgrown gas well roads that are really thick on either side uh-huh. or like run through a thicket. Uh, so it's it's kind of nice access or, or, you know, you're able to walk pretty quietly along those yeah. and, and with hopes of a buck stepping out or, or something of that sort. 
Um, and I had some really good encounters doing that last year. Uh, that was a lot of fun going through there with a uh, grunt tube. That was that was really cool. Um, and one thing that's one thing that I think is worth mentioning on the note of still hunting and um, along the lines of this, you know, this grunting and ground hunting and, and thing things that we've been talking about is one really cool aspect of of hunting on the ground is being able to move like like here and now like um i've had a couple of instances this year and last year where i saw deer either pass through a certain area or come like cross in a certain spot or something and like as soon as they're they're gone like i'll get up and go like you're making a move on them yeah like i'll i'll get up and go there and i had a really cool instance last year where i was down in this creek bottom um and a doe it was like november 2nd so rut starting to hit and uh a doe flew by me in this creek bottom and i figured well it's like november 2nd there's got to be a buck behind her so as soon as she passed through i moved about 40 yards and basically set up right on the exact trail that she had just run by on yeah i i uh heard another deer coming i hit a hit hit a uh, the grunt tube and heard him stop i hit the grunt tube again and i heard him start coming and he came face to face with me at like 10 yards and it was only like a like a four or five point but like that could have very well been like a really nice buck and a buck that i wanted to shoot oh absolutely that was just one of those things where you know I don't know if like, if I were in a tree 50 yards off, I don't know if I would have been able to, to call that buck over. But in that instance, like I just got up, got up and moved right to where I wanted to be. Um, so that's either whether that's in the rut or just, you know, in a, a general hunting scenario. Uh, if I, if either you're still hunting or you're just set up on the ground, that's a cool, um, a cool audible that you can make just be yeah personal that way definitely has its benefits that you can't do while hunting out of tree stands that's for sure sure and you know one thing one thing that i think that uh should should probably mention just to uh keep it a well-rounded conversation that there are plenty of cons uh to hunting on the ground Uh, you know of course it's not like just all this like glamorous exciting fun you know type of hunting there's there's some definite drawbacks that i do miss from a tree stand um but man, it's just so fun. It just keeps me coming back. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. I used to hunt off the ground a lot when I was younger with the crossbow growing up, and I think I did shoot like I want to say either five or six bucks off the ground with the cross with the crossbow. But we were set up like uh, stick blinds, like we made brush blinds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I got a, a lot of bucks like that. Yeah, it's but fun. Now with the recurve and me filming every hunt. Oh yeah, it'd be really tough to these still hunting around with a my 13 pound tripod and camera and sure. my recurve and the, yeah just yeah for me it's easier to hunt out of a tree stand to get to for filming in the filming sure. aspect yeah and that's what's you know that's what's so cool is like there's if you're willing to try it and you're willing to learn there's just a lot of different ways that you can hunt um and you know uh, I, most people talk about it and i i feel like i'm finding it for myself but you kind of find a way or a style of hunting that excites you and fits you and fits your 
fits your your why, so to speak. Oh yeah. And you know, for you, you found that you're efficient and most effective. You know, being in a stream with the camera, uh, and I think you have all the right reasons for that. And that's that's awesome. And obviously, you've been really successful with um, with bear and deer, and uh, it's it's just cool to see the differences, you know, and how you can. Yeah, there's so many ways you can go about it and still have success. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I think that was a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to touch up on? Hmm. Um, I guess, I guess I'll leave it with some, probably somebody out there will probably benefit from hearing it. Um, that with moving to a new area and, um, moving to a new area and committing fully to the recurve, my approach has kind of changed to hunting and it has made it so much more enjoyable for me. And that is that I really have stopped being so concerned with like, again, what I kill, like, like this pressure of, you know, it's all about a mature buck. It's all about like a big, big, huge buck or, you know, doing it on public land or whatever, but rather just like identifying or figuring out, like what, what do I want out of hunting? And I, I kind of put it in t- to myself, especially this year, I kind of put it in, in the mindset of, okay, if like, if no one else was ever going to know about what I do with when I hunt or, uh, you know, what I kill or how I do it or whatever, like, what would I do? And to me, it just became about hunting deer. Like not necessarily like hunting a specific buck or mature bucks or like hunting, you know, on public land versus private. Like I just wanted to just hunt deer and do it from the ground with a recurve. And that like that really made me feel like less pressure uh, on myself to, you know, do it a certain way or to kill a certain deer and just really made it not that it wasn't fun before, but kind of like made it fun again. Absolutely. Uh, Cause like the past couple of years and, and I enjoyed it and I liked it, but you know, I really did the like, you know, hold out for a mature buck or, you know, try to find one and like run in a bunch of cameras and like things like that. And again, nothing wrong with that. And I, I did enjoy it, but I was like, I started to realize I was like, man, like I enjoy, like when I have a really good encounter and have, uh, and successfully kill a doe like I'm as fired up as ever I was like that like if I if I just figure out how I want to hunt deer and just hunt deer like we talked about you know hunt the land bridge um, you know find those pinch points find like the make that that natural ground blind or uh, you know do whatever you want to do but just focusing on I don't not worried about what kind of what what caliber deer are in here not worried about you know uh you know mature buck or not like i'm just getting down to the bare bones the the very simple pursuit of hunting deer finding deer and doing it the way that uh, makes you happy makes yeah it makes me happy and um between the the recurve and being off of the ground and uh you know taking on that challenge that's just been like, oh man, it's, it's just been so, so exciting and so rewarding. 
Yeah, taking a taking a traditional bow in the woods instantly makes you a better hunter for in every aspect almost, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to go out with a traditional equipment and harvest something, you've truly done something. That is, is an accomplishment that nobody can take away from you. Yeah, yeah. And I um, – maybe the last thing kind of exactly off of that note, like going out with a traditional bow um, – the the other thing that has tied or tied into me thinking about like what do I want out of hunting like what am I trying to get out of it is that and there's nothing wrong with this style this style of hunting but like with a like with a compound and you know the new technology and like all the different things we are we are in that instance giving ourselves uh, as many advantages as we can which is just fine to, to harvest the deer or kill the deer that we want to. And again, I've done that too. And that's exciting. But when, what I've experienced, I'm sure you have too with the traditional bow is you're really, you're taking like those advantages away. And I feel like when you do that, that is really what, like you said, any harvest or any, any success that you can have in a traditional bow in the woods is so exciting and so rewarding because you're, you're putting yourself in a playing field that is uh, so much more challenging from the technical standpoint, from having to get close uh, and, and to do all the right things to put an arrow where you need to at 12, 14, 15 yards, whatever it is. Absolutely. Uh, it just sparks a fire. Yeah. And when everything comes together, it's just it's a feeling that you can just it, you just want you never want to lose you just strive for it year after year yeah yeah and you know like i said earlier you know like we've humans have been doing this for a long 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 time and like it's it really just is down in your dna and i i truly believe like there's something about picking up any bow 100 percent that that ignites this but for me it's by far been the most intense with a traditional bow um, mm-hmm. and, and that challenge like is, is just contagious and addicting and, uh, and just really, really fills you up when it comes to, you know, just going after it again and again, like you said. Yeah. It's something I'm very glad I got into and I would very highly recommend everybody else giving it a try, even just to play around in the backyard. It's just, it's just a blast. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's uh, so, so many great things that, that it's taught me and continues to teach me and uh, the experiences that I get to, to go out and have um, is, is really priceless. Like uh, now knowing what I know and experiencing what I've experienced, uh, it's, it's definitely something that I'll do for the rest of my life without a doubt. It's, it's just awesome. Yeah. Well, that was Rough. an amazing conversation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Glad that we were able to link up. Uh, I know you've, you've been hunting a lot and I have too, and uh, I've been wanting to want to be able to exchange stories and talk a little bit about this stuff. So yeah, absolutely. We'll have to get together this late season and try to get a video of one of us locking something. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And I uh, will have to talk about it at some point, but I'm hoping that they do that league again. That'd be fun to shoot. Yeah. Uh, they are it's uh it starts oh i think the second week of january so awesome cool
cool. Alrighty, well, thanks for coming on, Christian. And uh, yeah. everyone listening, go check out his uh, – where can they find you on Instagram? Check you out. Yeah, it's uh, Archery Strong. Uh, I think they uh, – what, what do they call that, the handle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's archery.strong. So it's archery, then there's a period strong. Uh, my name's my name's in there too, so you'll you'll see it in my, my red and ba- red and black logo. Uh, that's primarily primarily where everything's at. Uh, I do have a website, archystrong.com. A uh, little bit of stuff on YouTube. I'm hoping to do more of that here in the spring and summer. Uh, but lots of good stuff on on Instagram. So um, yeah, anybody has any questions or uh, just wants to chat, feel free to reach out. Alrighty, well, thanks for coming on, Christian. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you, Gage. Thanks for taking the time, like I said. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Talk to you later. All right, see ya.